Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Serving Aces. I'm Alexandra Stevenson, and I'm here with my co-host, Oog Levadier. Welcome, Oogie. Hey, how you doing, Alexandra? I'm doing fabulous. We got a lot to talk about this week. It's funny. Every time I sit down on a Sunday or Saturday night and I'm like, okay, what am I going to talk about? And then I start thinking of things and then I go, oh, I actually have a lot to talk about. So, Oogie, we just got to get right into it, right? There's so many points. Seriously, it's you're totally right. It's like, okay. It's kind of quiet, you know, in the tennis world, there's no big grand slams or stuff going on. You know, there's no big awards like the other night, uh, no no Super Bowl like last week. And then suddenly it's like, boom, we have 10 topics. There it is. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. So let's get into the tennis tournaments right away. Okay, so we have Doha that just ended. Iga Sviantek won for the third straight year in a row. She made a new record. It has not been matched since Serena Williams captured the Miami Open three times in a row, 2013 to 2015. Wow. So that's a big deal. Impressive. Really? Three yeah, times in exactly. a row, that same term is big. Three times in a row. Uh, she's made her first tournament win. She had a tough match in Australia. We watched it. Tough start. She played well in the that cup that she may, mm-hmm. had bagels and breadsticks in, right? That's right, She ran yeah. through, then I think got a little bit of a bug, didn't do as well in Australia as we had mm-hmm. thought she would. Yeah. But she rebounded, and obviously she loves playing in Doha if she just won it three straight times. And big match today against Ribakina, which is, you know, she's playing great, big server, conditions mm-hmm. were favor, but uh, yeah, she pulled through. She had a big first set, right, and tie break. She came through, I keep attacking. Ribakina was a little bit of, of her footwork, you know, here and there. We'll talk about footwork later on today, so uh, that's going to be very interesting to talk about. But then, uh, yeah, great, great week for uh, for Sviantek. I'm really happy for her. She's. We talked about it. She was going to rebound from the, the Aussie Open, right? We talked about that yes, a month ago. Did. Yes, and then we did. And I, I love that you brought up footwork because that is one of our topics tonight. If our only topic about technique, what we're going to go into. But what you just said, Rybakina's footwork was a little bit off. Well, Sviantek's footwork from 4-1 down. Look, she, come, she came back from 4-1 in mm-hmm. the first set down. And then if you watch her footwork and what she did to win 7-6-6-2, her feet were on fire and her positioning and her leg load and her base was low and the width of her stance with her legs and getting in position. It was very impressive to watch that match. Wouldn't you say it's probably the uh, the best attribute to have to be the number one tennis player in the world right now and, you know, in our days? The footwork, it's the quality of your footwork. I guess we can just rate everybody. You look at the rankings and then you say, mm-hmm. who's the best mover on the court? And then hey, there it is. Sviantek, Djokovic, you know, you've seen yep. these Alcaraz, all these, these, these guys and girls are just unbelievable, you know, moving on the court, covering yeah. courts, it's setting so up their important. shots. So, yeah. Well, really because important. now everybody has training behind their tennis. They have teams. So the footwork is something in your game that will really stand out along with the serve. But the footwork is, I would say, one of the top three right now. And that's funny that you said top of the game because guess what, Oogie? The new ATP rankings just came out. Are you Ooh. ready for them? I am. Go. 
Well, they're coming out tomorrow morning, but they're out already because it's like European time. Right? You have contacts. You have contacts. Oh, come on. Okay, you, have, so you know what's up. <laughs> num number one, Djokovic. Number two, Alcaraz. Number three, Sinner. Number mm -hmm. four, Medvedev. Number five, Rublev. Number six, Zverev. Lots of Evs. Number seven, Runa. Number eight, Hercatch. Number nine, Diminor. Number 10, Fritz. Ooh. All right, so what do all these players have in common, Ugi? Hmm, they're all great players. Uh, their game style, their footwork. Um, I don't see anybody with a one-handed backhand in there. Is that could that be it? Ding, ding, ding! It's the first <laughs> time in really? ATP rankings, and I, it, I'm not, it, I think it's ever. I, I'm pretty sure, first time ever, there has not been a one-handed backhand in the ATP top ten of men's I mean, tennis. It makes sense That's because even back then there was a lot of, you know, Ivan Lendl, Pete Sampras, you know, McEnroe, even that. I mean, a lot of players were, you know, had one hander, Federer. So Sampras. you always have somebody. Yeah, exactly. Like, have, oh, Roger keep, Federer. Exactly. Keep going. Keep going. But then, um, let's see. Who Patrick else? Rafter. Uh, Patrick Rafter had Patrick a one hander. Thomas yep. Mooster, Guga Quirton. I mean, Stefan Edberg. Exactly. Ooh, that's a good one right there. So, mm, yeah, you've got all these great players always with one-hander, but then nobody right now with the one-hander. I mean, do you know why? Can can you imagine maybe a couple of reasons okay, why? Okay, so my theory is, okay, I have a theory. Well, I have a one-hander, so. <laughs> here, here, I know, I, I know. I had a two-hander first, so I got switched at the age of nine. Okay. To further along my athletic, tall girl stature and what my coach wanted me to be serve and volley slice mm -hmm. come in a la martina navratilova margaret court steffi graf okay mm -hmm. that, yeah. that was so my my generation of watching tennis was steffi graf monica Sellis, capriotti now mm -hmm. monica Sellis capriotti had two handers monica had doubled hander right forehand mm -hmm. and backhand capriotti yeah. had two-handed but steffi graf was amazing special yeah. electric you could just go down with all the words you give her her footwork but she had a one hand backhand right mm -hmm. martina navratilova yep. had a one hand backhand and yeah, i course. was going to be strong and powerful and my coach was brought up earlier in the 70s 60s and 70s billy jean king rosie casals mm -hmm. they all had one handers yeah, and he was so, uh, he was Pete Sampras's first coach as well. So yes, you you were yes. molded with Pete Sampras's, you know, Sampras trying to, to win Wimbledon and you know court. using your slice yep. and coming in and the, going the inside out with the back forehand. So yes. great, great, great. Yeah, Wimbledon was a big thing. Okay, now you look at the game. The courts have slowed down. You don't mm -hmm. see as many serving volleyers, if any. You sure. don't see a lot of slice backhands, if any. Mm -hmm. Roger Federer retired. He was like the last of Mohinkins. We still have Gasquet out there with the brilliant one-hander. But I mean, yeah, you're serving volley. Up. You have you have Maxim Cressy from France, which yeah. is now American. Yeah. But that's pretty but much the only serving volley. Yeah, you don't have the top ten doing it, and oh, for sure. especially on the women's side. So then the coaches, yeah. right? My coach, he's now eighty. Okay, now it's the coaching generation of people in their 20s, 30s, mm -hmm. 40s, 50s. Yeah. They grew up with two-handed backhands. Jimmy Connors era, too. He had mm -hmm. two-hand. Yep. But a lot of the coaches that are teaching, taught the one-handers, 
they were already few and far between. Yeah. Right. You go on the tour, one out of 10 players has a one hander. Maybe when I went on the tour on the women's side, one out of a hundred out of one hander, it got more and more rare in the nineties. And then the late nineties, it was very rare. It was just over time. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And you got these great coaches still that are a little bit still involved, you know, Boris Becker, and you've got James Blake, Brad Gilbert, Darren Cahill, Darren, all these great guys have one hander, but then of course they don't want to change anything because their players are already in under 20s and early 30s and you can't change anything like that. Darren Darren and Brad had two handers, right? No, 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 they had one hander for sure. Oh yeah, trust me. I've I've seen them all and they, you can research, but you know. No, 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 Darren, I trust yeah. you. Darren and, I, and Brad had I one hander Brad, for sure. Brad had one. I thought Darren had two, but you're right. Mm-hmm. I need to go watch Darren play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real nice Aussie, you know, lots chipping coming in. Yeah. Really no, classical, yeah. classical Australian type. But uh, And then all but, the yeah. old Aussies. You know the old Aussies knew how to slice and dice and hit one-handers. And also, I have to say, Oogie, it's very hard to learn a one-handed backhand. And in junior tennis... A lot of the parents and coaches are all about winning at a young mm. age and not about de- development. And to have a one-handed backhand, it takes years to develop. So you have to be willing to go out and lose and You're get right. your one-handed backhand beat up and yep. be able to stomach it. And I'm not sure the new generation can handle that. It's, it's right. going to be like a unicorn, finding a unicorn. There's going to be so- a couple. You are but so not. right when, when you say that. It's amazing. 100% accurate your comment because in these days, everything is so fast, so quick. You want to win right away. You want to, mm-hmm. you know, you want, you don't want to go through the motions, but you're right. When you're younger, let's say you're seven, eight, nine years old, you're not that tall. So then you get a lot of high balls, right? Because, yeah. because everything is so high concerning you. But then if you hit above your, your shoulders, it's tough to have a one-hander and, and even hit it deep have a lot of power yeah. in it. It's really tough. So, and then suddenly you start to slice it. And if you start to slice, then you get attacked. So that's yep. bottom, yep. bottom line. That's it. And then return of serve. Uh, I had to work on my return of serve. Even my early years on the becoming a professional, my return mm-hmm. of serve got better and better. But in the beginning, it was tough. Look, it grass is. obviously was easier because everything was quick, right? But then yeah. you play on the hard court and, and clay. Forget about clay. But Obviously, Guga Querton had a brilliant one-hander on the clay. I just didn't yeah. grow up on the clay. So figuring out how to get heavy topspin with my one-hander was always a challenge for me. Hey, and you know what? Let, let's let's take a couple of minutes to talk about that because it's really important for everybody listening that they understand exactly what you're saying. Because when you're returning serve and you have a one-hander, that's tricky because you have to have that grip right away. So mm-hmm. when I met you, you had your forehand grip on the return, which was very unique because normally people have their backhand grip on with the one-hander and they have their left hand on the triangle there and they switch grip to hit a forehand. But then you had it forehand style right away. I didn't bother touching that because your return with the forehand was like huge and you were going yeah. inside out. And yeah. so you, you dominated with that. So that was... But you know why I had a forehand grip? Why? Okay, this is the story. Okay, so I told you earlier I had a two-handed backhand and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, it was really good, my two-hander. So at nine, Pete Fisher wanted to switch me to a one-hander, and mm-hmm. Robert Landstorp disagreed with him, and there was like a fight between the two. And Pete <laughs> won because he won the, 
one to KO. This is how our game's going to be. You have to help. And Robert had a brilliant one hand to back him, but he didn't really teach it to anybody, especially girls. Mm -hmm. So I was pretty much the only girl player, and I say girl because I was nine, mm -hmm. who Robert taught a one-hander to. But what he didn't teach was the return of serve. Mm -hmm. So interesting that both coaches did not focus on the return of serve. Robert focused on ground strokes. Pete focused on serve volleys and the rest of the game, except return of serve was not a big deal because he had brought up Sampras who had a big serve, right? Yeah. And yeah. on the men's side, return of serve for Sampras wasn't a big deal. So no. it's just interesting that the stuff that got missed in the development of my game, well, the return of serve was one of them. I just went out and returned serves and matches. I don't even remember practicing until I was 16, 17, 18, and mm -hmm. I had gone to the USTA and, and played a couple tournaments. Then I started practicing return of serves. But in the early days, I did not practice return of serves unless I was playing points. And it was never looked at. So wow. what was my biggest shot? My forehand. What am I going to hold is my grip. Exactly. My I forehand. totally agree. Yeah. Right. So, and I then know. by the time you met me, it was too late to change it. And I was used to switching mm -hmm. and I did, and I did try it when I came back with my shoulder to go to the back mm -hmm. and return, yeah. but I didn't like it because I yeah, was no. quick enough to be able to turn it. And exactly. That's my point because I mean, that was like super quality for you to do that because normally when you have a one hander, it's kind of tricky to have the forehand grip and then suddenly quickly change yeah, it. You know, you have to put your hand in the bottom, the little bit of the back of the racket and then to go over on top and topspin that. That's the, that takes time and stuff to do because you're turning yeah. shoulders and switching racket. But then yeah. you always, you always did it great. So I didn't bother touching that for sure. Yeah. And I just, it was just a thing. And looking back on it, I realized, oh, look, now that I'm coaching some players i'm very detailed with everything and that's something mm -hmm. i always knew that wasn't so detailed and so you got to check the grips you got to check the positioning but then you have to ask the player what's comfortable so it's yeah. like what you asked me are you comfortable and i said yes and so we didn't change it we just changed maybe like where to put the return or mm -hmm. standing further back or then yeah. attacking exactly and also i didn't mind taking backhands on the rise because I, mean, I was strong enough to do it. So great. I mean, that backhand on the rise is just so natural. That shot was, you had the best one-hander on tour by far. Because, oh, uh, of course, there was not a whole lot of women hitting one-hander, but you had the best. So let's just make it that official right now. Exactly. Your hander, it could pack, it could pack it was, a punch, Ugi. It was so clean. Your left hand was going behind you near your your uh, your the bottom of your back. It was just so nice and easy, like really solid, unbelievable. So we didn't bother touching that. The last one, last one thing I'd like to say about that is like a lot of women serve slice. You know, mm -hmm. there's not a whole lot of kick serve in women's tennis. Yep, so exactly. so that was great for you because the girls. I remember uh, Mishkina uh, and all these girls would slice serves. They wouldn't. They couldn't hit it. Dementieva. Exactly. You can name all of them pretty much. There's not a whole lot of, you know, they don't serve kick serve in tennis. Shriantek, Ribakina, a little bit to really tall girl. They can really, they yeah. can do that. You did it. You hit great topspin serves, but it's not common. You know, there's, I'd, I'd be amazed at the percentage of, of women on second serve, what they do. They would slice more. And then if you slice, it goes to your forehand right away. So you didn't have to, you know, change your I grip and everything. Move my grip, right? Forehand return all day long. And exactly. I was looking for forehands. 
Exactly. So it it meshed well. Another thing. Yeah. That's well, awesome. I like that you brought that up, Oogie. All right. So we got Rotterdam Sinner is still on a streak. He defeated Demonor 7564. Mm -hmm. Buenos Aires, the Argentinian wildcard, Diaz Acosta, defeated Jari, who Ooh. beat Alcarez in the semis. Had a great wow. win. Huge. Okay. Delray Beach, we have taylor fritz versus tommy paul really good matchup but that got delayed because of rain so that's airing tomorrow i'm mm. interested to see what happens it might be raining here in california so maybe i'll get to watch that live cool. and then a little news on the tour we talked about pagula and david witt splitting we got another split oogie really a six-year relationship that's okay. a long time okay so so that's on tennis so that's not kelsey and taylor swift okay we're good okay <laughs> not, well, look, they just won Grammys in Super Bowl. They're not splitting up yet, right? Okay. Yeah, that that so, nice time. Maria Sakari and Tom Hill. They've been together six years. He got her up to three in the world, two semifinals. Hmm. She's also dropping out of the ten top ten for the first ah, time in a couple okay. of years, along with Sitsipas, kind of the both Greeks. They're dropping out of the top ten this hmm. week. And she wrote a lovely Instagram post about Tom and said, good luck in your next endeavor. What we did was amazing. So they're going to remain friends and mm -hmm. the split was probably mutual or yeah. if, if not mutual, un there's an understanding there. It's a comp. Uh, what is it? Gwyneth Paltrow's conscious uncoupling Oogie. <laughs> wow. So that's a nice way to say it. Uncoupling on the that's, tour as player and coach. And that was nice actually, to see, right? It's actually not a split. Like if you put it that way, yeah. it's like, we're just taking yeah. a break. <laughs> yeah. It's not a split. They're going to remain friends. Unlike David Witt, where he was like, I don't know what happened. And it's mm. kind of been radio silence with Pagula. So that's to be researched more to see who Pagula comes out mm -hmm. on the tour with and she yeah. hasn't been playing anywhere really mm, you're right and hopefully when when they split that needs to be like super respectful uh real nice i mean you you always want your your coach now you always want the best for your player so if that player uh you know feels like it and and strongly believes okay to move on in my career i need a, i need to change i need to change my entourage my coaches you you want that i want that you know <laughs> You want that for your player exactly. to, to improve. Exactly. But on the merry ground of the WTA tour, usually it doesn't happen where it's amicable. And mm. then it's really funny because then the coach shows up with another player and then there is drama, Oogie. You're right. You're right. And, so, and that but, could be even better for that. Normally, I mean, so, right? not normally, but sometimes Life the coaches under the they step up. They step up with another relationship and Dari establishes coaches. All the women, they know what's going on. They know what type of coaches they are, what kind of, mm -hmm. you know, buttons they're pressed. So if they know what to expect. So if you have more emotional coach or more, you know, grounded and more, you know, st methodical and st strategic, you know, those are the, the fronts that, you know, players would go for. So it's kind yeah, of, uh, exactly. yeah, let's see what happens next. Look, we, we, I can't just say the WTA tour because we also have look at Runa. He has a, he, he, he goes back to his childhood coach and then goes back to Murata Glue and then goes back to the childhood coach and then brings in a hitter. So it happens on the men's tour. It's a mm -hmm. very tough environment to travel with. You understand. We never split up. You just had babies. So <laughs> you're right. <laughs> which I was kids. more important. Life happened. You had hey, kids. Two, thing, two things but, happen. 
I had more, I had three kids and then you had shoulder surgery. So yes. And then it just it. was not good, but you understand it's hard to be on the tour away yes. on the road and with that one player. So the fact that Maria and Tom lasted six years is amazing. And David went and Pagula five years. That's amazing. And, and then, yeah. And then look at Roger Federer. He didn't always have a coach. He had his childhood coach for a while mm -hmm. and then he got rid of him and Mirka, his wife was hitting with him. And then he had yeah. Lubacic, and but even the best of the best, sometimes you just feel like you might be able to do it yourself, or it's just not the right fit until you find the right fit. You're right. I mean, it's it's such a such a chemistry with a coach that you need somebody not to have somebody. You need somebody because that's for the right reasons, and, and they complete you as a player. I feel like Jeremy exactly. Maguire. So you complete me. You and complete then, me, Oogie. <laughs> exactly. I did, and I still am, which is great. Yes. And then, yeah. But that's it. It's You need that chemistry. And then when that happens, that's when you can achieve great things because without that chemistry, you cannot reach there. You can't. Wow. You can't get there. Yeah. Uh, it's like a Super Bowl team or, you know, you know, whatever big championship you win, you you are yeah. really meshing with everybody uh, on your Chiefs. side. So they, they yeah. were meshing together and they won. They they were in adversity all season, but they stuck together. With you can see that's why they're creating a dynasty. So it's the same in any team sport, any individual sport. It's just a little different because individual, you really are by yourself on the court, and you have that one coach to look to instead mm -hmm. of team members. So, yep. but you know, I've, I have to say before we go into some, um, the ball in his, is in Oogie's court and we're going to touch on a topic. I just have to say, I watched the best movie last night. I was going to watch, um, the new look, which is about Coco Chanel and Christian Dior during the war and how they got their designs through and, and got their houses started, but it was a little heavy. So then I went, Oh, this looks really good. And it's called Next Goal Wins. Hmm. And it's directed cool. and co-written by Taika Watiti, who did Thor Ragnarok. Oh, okay. That? Yeah, you know the fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. He, played the, he played the big rock guy that talked funny. No and he way. Also did, exactly. Yeah. Like, you, like yeah. play it again. Like talk funny like that? Talked yeah, yeah. yeah, talked funny. Hey, man, what's up? You know that he, part? He sounds like he's from South Africa. Well. He's a South African accent. Yeah, well, he's New Zealander. So he also cool. did Jojo Rabbit, and he's done a couple other films. Anyway, it's a true story about a soccer team from mm -hmm. American Samoa who wow. never scored a goal in their whole existence. They got killed by Australia in the qualifiers of the World Cup, I think in 2011, 31-0. It was so devastating. And wow. all this team wanted was a goal, and they couldn't find a coach. So anyway, this coach comes in and he's been through it and he's had a rough two years. And I'm not going to tell you why, because you got to watch the movie. And it's all yeah. about how this coach and this team come together just to play a game to get one goal. Ugi. Not win a tournament, just one goal. Just score something. Yeah. And it's a true story. This really happened. Wow. And the, the team members, some of them, they focused on really happened on our true and it was one of the first transgender athletes mm -hmm. on a soccer team and now they're coaching in american samoa and it's just a feel good you know you don't get a lot of feel good sports movies anymore like mm -hmm. we did with as you just said jerry Maguire, and look any given sunday i mean it was a little any given sunday was a little rougher 
but Mighty Ducks, right? Yeah, like happy, exactly. happy movies that actually have a whole arc and they're not succeeding, but they really work hard and they're then they succeed and then everything comes together. But it, it's just it's so well done. So you got to check it out, Oogie. Hey, you know what? It's It'll so funny. Make you happy. About three days ago, I think Friday night, um, I watched the Snoop Dogg movie. Wow. The language was really not good. But, I mean, I mean, the kids were all, all swearing. It was like, are you kidding me? It was like well, hilarious because you see kids movie, like nine right? years old swearing. It was a, but, so you know, funny. the whole background and he's like, uh, I don't know. You have to watch it. It's like I, I enjoyed okay. it. It was, it was super it. light, okay. super light. I'll give you a fun fact on the Snoop Dogg movie. I, I don't remember the title, but we got to figure I it out. I think it's we'll, something like un, like underdogs or something. Yeah. It, yes, you're right. And it's on Amazon. Okay. So the Academy Award luncheon happened last week. And I listened to this radio show on Sirius, Jess Cagle. He's this uh, movie reviewer, been in the business for a long time. And he has these interviews and his co-host is named Julia Cunningham. And I just really like them because I love movies and entertainment, mm -hmm. right? Well, you know who the number one guest was at the Oscar luncheon? Everybody wanted to talk to him. I don't know. And he's not even dark. nominated for an Oscar. No, I don't even know why he was there. Maybe he has a song in the I Gotta Look It Up. Yeah, Snoop Dogg. Like, everybody went nuts over it. That's all they were talking about. Look, they had Emily Blunt. They had Killian Murphy. They had Emma Stone. They had... Uh, they had like all the nominees wow. from super from big this stars, Academy but then Awards. Snoop Dogg is like, he's like, everybody has to take a picture and talk to him for sure. He's like, he looks like he's this super cool guy just chilling in yeah. there. I mean, yep. I listened to Snoop Dogg a lot when I was in college because it was my years, it was right there. So in the 90s, you know, and everything. So That's I discovered, years, uh, discovered my rap there at uh, Illinois and then Louisiana. So such good memories and uh yeah snoop Dogg, man he's, he's he's legit okay so i gotta get to watch that movie and see i gave you a little fun newsy note there which out nice. without even trying that wasn't even in my notes you're not trying you're great that's it greatness right? comes out just like that okay Boom. so we're gonna get on our topic now okay our topic of tonight and today is the ball is in oogie's court so oogie give us your and my topic that we're going to discuss. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, when uh, you suggested that topic, I I stepped on it right away because I was like, this is great stuff. Uh, always trying to have a Oogie's Corner or something about tennis, something really, something really relevant about today's game mm -hmm. and everybody listening that they play tennis and they love it and they want, they want to improve. Uh, so footwork. Footwork is definitely, I think it's the number one thing that differs for all levels and the top levels in the world. I mean, Djokovic, Sviantec, look at these, these two, these two icons. They moved the best in the business right now. Alcaraz is really close. Sinner has got his footwork right, right up there right now. So um, they move so well on the court. So they cover the court. So you can't really hit winners out of them unless you hit two or three awesome shots. And now you're, you're, you're stacking up the, you know, the odds are against you because once you go yeah. for a winner, if you have to go for two, three, four winners in a row, you're, you're likely going to make a mistake and the court gets smaller on that occasion and it's really tough to beat these guys because they get to every ball and then suddenly they get to a ball, they set up and they hit a great shot. So you wonder what's going on and what you're going to have to do to win a point. Um, so that's really tough to do. And then we want to talk about the three, the three uh, stages of footwork. You know, you want to have your footwork setting up before you hit a shot. 
with split steps, yeah. moving quickly, and then you have the setup for the shot right there with a bigger stance, wider stance, and make sure you hit that ball, and then getting back to the, uh, to the, the center recovery. of the court or yeah. the recovery. Exactly. So, yeah, first step is, you know, the first part is first phase, just splitting step, you know, split step. Yeah. Make sure you're make sure you're wide and so and then, important, Oogie, is the split step, which we talked about this before, but the split step split step, especially with recreational players and junior players, it gets hmm. lost. And I still don't understand how they don't want to do it or they're taught it and then they feel like it's too difficult. Because it really makes life easier when you play tennis if you split step. You're right. So break it down for me a little bit because you've been around more juniors and recreational players than I have. I've been mm-hmm. around 14, 15 people. Yeah. You've been around how many years of, of know, hundreds of kids? So break it down the, for me when you first start. Yeah, you founded your tennis academy 25 in, years ago. In, so, 20, in 2000, exactly. So it's been 20-something yeah, yeah, years. Yeah, so exactly. So break it down for me as a 24-year veteran of coaching. Mm-hmm. When you start with a kid and you explain the split step and then the kid doesn't do it, mm-hmm. how do you translate that to actually convincing them to do it every time and explaining why it should work? Yeah, well, let me uh, answer something right now. Okay, your great question. I love it. The first thing that I observe is the pace of play. So whenever people are starting playing tennis, the pace is not that high. So then they mm-hmm. don't they don't know why they would split step. You know, they don't know yes. exactly why would I why would I split step? What advantage would because I? Because they think it takes energy. Yeah, right? and then that's the second point. So first point is the ignorance because they don't know why they would do it. So you know why would I move and split step? And then the second one, energy. It's like oh man, that's gonna take energy, and I'm not sure I'm yeah. ready to do that. So then those yeah, two for points. For some reason, the players, when the ball's so slow, they actually think that not splitting takes more energy than split stepping. So explain why it takes less energy yeah. when I mean, you split step than taking more. Okay, let's say you're you're just your feet are on the ground, you're you know, like stable and, and you wanna yeah. and you you're flat and you wanna move yeah. quickly to your right or your left. Yeah. Yeah. You have to shift your whole body in a weird way, uncoordinated mm-hmm. to a certain direction. And then you have no timing concerning that ball because you're just trying to get there. And instead, if you split step, you can time your split step. Whenever the opponent hits that ball, you're splitting step. And then as soon as you hit the ground, I mean, softly, you just whoop, you just turn your body and start running frontwards towards the, you know, the, the area you want to move. Let's say you want to hit a forehand and I'm a right-hander. I split step, and when I come down, I just open my right foot, and then my shoulders turn, and my racket gets ready, and I start yes. running towards my right side. You know, and um, it's also so pivoting. So when you're trying to pivot, mm-hmm. if you are loaded on your whole foot, it's really hard to pivot. You can do it, but it takes a lot more time than when you are on your forefoot and your toes to pivot, yep. right? It's like a exactly. quick turn off the toes and a little hip turn. If you're trying to move that whole foot and your hips, it takes more time, which takes more energy. Exactly. And you can actually injure yourself. You know, think about your knee. If your yeah. foot is on the ground like that and you want to move, then it doesn't really go yeah, well. It tweaks, so- it tweaks the muscles wrong. 
Exactly. You, you have so, to have supple knees, right? So oh, I love, yeah. you know, I love watching ice skating, right? And so Johnny Weir always is talking about land with soft knees. Well, they're doing triple flips and triple axles and quads now, right? If yep. Could you imagine if they went up and landed straight legged? So basically Jeez. in tennis, if you go up or if you start up and you're trying to turn straight, Look at all that pressure it's putting on your body. Then if you have soft knees and mm. you're supple and then you're light and you're able to turn quicker. I love your, I mean, I love your, your, uh, your uh, parallel there because with the skating, because that's exactly what happens because once you land soft, you kind of, you absorb the energy of the ground. You know, you want to go as soft as possible so you can actually retain your, your balance. Because if yeah. you just bounce on the ground, you, you don't have balance. Now you just bounce all over the place like a basketball. Mm -hmm. So if you, you go soft to the ground, then you can actually use that energy and just store it like a, like a spring. And then you just, whoop, you just bounce, exactly. you just spring to your right or your left. And that's exactly why you need that. That's why you need that. So that starts off your footwork in tennis. Okay, I'm going to do another mm -hmm. parallel. All right, so all-star game is going on right now. Okay, yeah. we know. NBA West basketball. They're in Indiana, NBA. right? Indiana. Indianapolis. Indianapolis, the mm -hmm. famous place of basketball. David Letterman and Reggie Miller did a whole interview because Reggie Miller played for Indianapolis her whole his whole career. David Letterman is from Indianapolis. It was a really cool interview. But anyway, I'm going to get to the point to where I'm comparing the split and the turn and the soft knees. Okay, so last night, this was so cool, and I know you watched it. Steph oh. Curry and Sabrina Ionescu. Okay, mm -hmm. doing a three-point shootout. Okay, so now before that, the NBA always have the guys do the three-point shootout, right? Mm -hmm. So yep. the guy that did it, Damian Lillard, got 26 points. He won the NBA shootout. So cool. Steph and Sabrina have been buddies, and Sabrina challenged Steph to a shootout, and he accepted. Mm -hmm. Okay, so she got up there, and he got up there. She did 26 points. He did 29 points. Okay, but Super when you tight. watch them spring up with soft knees, mm. they're basically, they're not exactly splitting, but they're, they're loading off their legs and have soft feet to plant, to, to push off through the toes, just like oh. you need to push off in tennis, sort of. But exactly. without that kind of soft leg, soft knee action and spring, Sabrina was not going to tie, get close to Steph Curry, right? Steph You're Curry right. isn't going to be the best three-time all-time shooter if he had straight legs. Mm, exactly. I mean, it's yeah. their, their, both of their techniques were unbelievable because they, yeah, the they need once they bounce back, they bounce down. They need to get that one ball again. Yeah. Get a ball. And, and they, they had to keep right moving. Up. So if yeah. you got to keep moving, so it's the same in tennis. You have to keep moving throughout the point. As soon as you get stuck which happens on the professional side. If you get nervous, tight, distracted, your temper, look, everybody does it. But especially mm. with recreational and the junior players, it becomes a habit of like, I don't want to work hard to go get that ball. Exactly. So, so you got to change your mindset to, this is actually going to take me less work to do it right. And let's have springy feet from the beginning. So that's oh. phase one, have your feet mm -hmm. moving, but have the split step. Without the yep. split step, you can't get to phase two. Can okay, you imagine so like, 
Imagine being in the net. I'm, I'm at the net trying to hit a volley or like when you pass me. I mean, I can't get to that volley if I'm not splitting step. Oh, well, that's why kids and some players look of all levels. But still, if you get stuck at the net and you're freezing, you're going to mm. get scared of getting hit. That's the one thing I learned as a young junior player is I got hit. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I got stuck. But then you learn real fast it's not fun to get hit. So you better load your legs and get yeah. down so you can be springy, right? I mean, we're like right. both like moving side to side yeah. in this in the podcast right now and showing <laughs> each other like we're ready for the volley oogie. I'm getting All right, there. So give me phase two once we are once we yeah. get the split step and the whole four foot spring. What yeah. is phase two after you run and hit the ball? So that's in between when you're waiting for the next shot. Exactly. So then, so then phase two is like, okay, you have to get to the ball, of course. And then you you manage your step, okay. You and then second phase is like loading to hit that shot. So you want to the hitting phase. So you, you're moving towards, and then you you want to load that. Normally, you want to get that that you know front foot weight transfer. Let's say we're right hander. So let's say I'm hitting forehand. I want to get quickly to the point where I'm going to be able to hit the ball and. Once you have the experience, you exactly know where to get there. That, and that's you need that your takes positioning right. That takes years. And let's be yeah. honest. I mean, it's not gonna happen within a year, two years. No. It's really tough to so after, you know, I've always said that it takes ten years to form a tennis player. It takes ten years. So you need to think about it like a marathon, not a sprint like Usain Bolt. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> if you wanna be good after ten a year. Years, ten years and very intricate coaching on how to get them with the right positioning technique and shot selection yeah exactly and then 10 years as well of analyzing the opponents knowing your game knowing what to you know what to do when when the pressure time comes around how to deal with pressure it takes 10 years and plus i mean even even then even after 10 years we we still feel nerves and we still make bad choices on the court but at least after 10 years you kind of know exactly how to play tennis uh yeah. but then okay let's so get back phase to the, so, two Exactly. I'm setting up, and After then I might hit the shot. The, the the racket width. Let's say for my kids normally, I put a racket width in between their legs, like in between their feet, and it's like, okay, you have to be that wide when you hit a shot. Like what? That wide? Yes. <laughs> you have to be really wide because well, you want to have that big stance when you step up and hit hit that ball because you want to be stable. Otherwise, if you're too close, your feet you'll be off balance, and you won't you won't hit a good shot. So that's phase number two. Yeah, and also, what if they like to lunge the ball and they're wide, but then they drop their chest? Yeah, that's you need to keep that posture up. Make posture sure posture up and legs down, right? Legs down. Exactly. Okay. Oh, yeah. So now, phase three. I think it's like actually phase two and a half. After you hit the shot, the recovery when you're receiving that next shot, you don't stop your feet and wait to see where the shot's gonna go. You keep the feet moving so that you can get your split back to phase one and go react to it. So I think that little phase two and a half, the movement in between, which if you watch Iga Sviantek, I feel like out of everybody, it stands out probably the mm. most. I mean, Djokovic is obviously there, but if I'm really giving her a big compliment, if you look at that phase 2.5 after mm -hmm. her shot, the recovery and the quick steps to be ready for the next one yeah. is that's why she's been number one for 90 week 91 straight weeks yeah i mean I let's take her 91 maybe not 91 straight but she's been number one for 91 weeks coming up this week 
she's i mean that's that's the top top of the top of the chain footwork for women's tennis right now because yeah. she's she's explosive that's what's that's mm -hmm. what i i love about that because she let's say she had a forehand she kind of rolls over you know her right right leg you know so she faces the the opponent and then yeah. she crossover steps or she starts shuffling steps really quickly so then she gets back to the point where she, it doesn't have to be the middle of the court because normally they rally cross court so you yeah, don't want to get to the time. middle of the court yeah yeah, yeah because you're but, expecting a cross, so, court, cross court shot again so you want to you know cheat a little bit and stay halfway. like exactly. three feet three or four feet let's say to the right you know to the right of middle of the court if you're forehand forehand yep. but then you're setting up or down the line especially if the ball is a little quick you'll be able to move in boom change direction go down the line yeah. take care of that point uh but then you get back to step number one again split step and then all yeah. this these the three steps go go again three again steps. again but i i think that sense of urgency to recover back in in that 2.5 phase that's what lacks sometimes in recreational junior players You don't really see it on the pro tour because you get killed, but you see it at a different, it's a different, like somebody might just be slower, but they're still doing that reaction part. So the point where you're hitting a shot and then you stop to look at your shot, I think you got to tell yourself, I'm going to hit the shot. And then I'm, it's a sense of urgency that you got to mm. get back to recover. Right. right. And you got to pick a spot in the court that you can get back to. Like you said, it's not going to be middle, but you got to get back to there quick. And I think, The quickness part is what sometimes gets lost in translation. Mm -hmm. Exactly, you need to be quick and be precise. So yeah. those two things. And even that's if why you we work can't at it. be quick, if you're not quick, you can still be quick enough to get back. Okay, phase three. What are you going to call phase three? So after you get back, the 2.5. Mm -hmm. Okay, phase three then is the just recovery just, into the split yeah. step again. Exactly. Right? Phase three is just recovering so just, down like to the circle. Yeah. You go one, two, two point five, three, and then you go back exactly. to one. Exactly. Right? The, well, the crossover same. step and load that that could be put into two point five into three, all mm -hmm. of those things. But I feel like the footwork, especially in the junior level, I've noticed the one hand backhand has gone away, but the split step is slowly disappearing. It's like, what's mm. going on here? You guys got to the split steps first and foremost you got to get that down exactly hey, you're right i mean last week uh we've been doing that for a month now it's big it's 25 push-ups if we we see somebody not splitting step that's it just oh, i like it's that a fun, I usually it's a get fun game burpees. i'm it's gonna game. start giving 25 25 <laughs> i mean The, the kids don't want to do push-ups they want to do maybe jumping jacks or kangaroos yeah but push-ups and 25, 25 that's a lot too okay. i'm like okay I've let's do that because runs. nobody's gonna nobody's gonna yeah. miss a split step everybody's doing it for sure we're yeah, not giving push-ups push yeah <laughs> if it's no, really high I, 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 i might have to add in push-ups to that okay. come on do All do right, so well, i mean burpee, I like, burpees burpees are tough burpees so are tough. it's a push-up yeah, and then you have good. to popcorn up in the air like with your arms like popcorn in the bag going up yeah. so i love it either way all right cool well i liked this was oogie the ball is in oogie's court that was our little our little big long explanation all right oogie that was very important i feel like we're going to keep talking about footwork but to be continued on eventually somewhere else in the podcast we will get back to that in another podcast and we're going to go into the art of the one hand backhand soon too because i feel like that's a really big discussion But mm. right now, I've got some fun newsy notes. Ooh, let's hear it. You ready? 
Okay, Always. so I talked about I love your the notes. Academy Awards, the Oscar lunch, that happened. But tonight, mm. the BAFTAs happened, which are the British Film Awards. Oh, so they're okay. the, the lead-up to the Academy Awards. And mm -hmm. it's cool because a lot of the times they nominate some British movies that don't get nominated for the Academy Awards, yep. uh, a.k.a. Saltburn. I'm going to tell you, Oogie, if you watch Saltburn with a Neek, be prepared. It's... It's like shocking and did this really happen? And then, oh my gosh, this is actually a really good movie. And then mm. this is so weird, all wrapped into one. Okay, Salt anyway. Burn. Okay. Salt burn. Moving on. Okay, so the BAFTAs are going on. People's Choice Awards are going on right now. Mm -hmm. The people have spoken. The votes are in. I don't know who won, but I know Billie Eilish did win something in Jennifer Aniston. I was checking out in the background before we started. Uh, oh, all More to come game. next week. Well, yes. Know. LeBron James is captain of the West, and Giannis is captain of the East. And mm -hmm. his last name, Antetokounmpo. I Antetokounmpo. probably said that wrong. Yes, Antetokounmpo. No, it's, yeah, yeah. it's from Greece. It's from Greece. Yeah, I didn't get the accent name. right. He's it's the cool. captain of the East, and we discussed oh. Sabrina and Steph and their shot. And mm -hmm. all the all stars were out there. We hey, had they had the they had the slam dunk contest right after the three shots. Yes, last night. was that fun? Oh yeah, it was really cool to, to see all these. One. I didn't see it. Oh, it was so cool, so cool. So uh, the guy who won, he just he just went like over Shaquille O'Neal to dunk. Oh, that's <laughs> Shaq so is fun. like super tall, super cool. Okay, fun fact, uh, Oogie, uh, they did the O Canada, they did the Canadian national anthem before uh, the American National Anthem. And they had Charlotte Carden sing O Ooh. Canada. And then they had Babyface, who's an Indiana native, sing the National Anthem. So I thought, I thought that was really cool because Toronto Raptors are represented in the NBA. You got to do exactly. the Canadian Anthem, yeah. right? And, and Charlotte yeah, that, is from Montreal. She's uh, She won the uh, sort of the, uh, how do you say it, American like Idol or something? Factor. Oh, American, like Canadian Idol? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So from Quebec, yeah, she French. She really so. good. So yeah. there you go. She they had her sing. Cool, okay. Man. I love also, it. Genesis Open was at the Riviera this week. I was in a lot of traffic going back and forth to my house and to the court because of the wow. nice oh. Genesis Open. It was close but, to you. It was close to me. I was thinking of you, Oogie. You definitely uh, would have been there. I, I would have been there like first row yeah. to watch Hideki Matsuyama, yeah. who won the other guy yes. from Japan. Yeah, so he won. But how about this? Jordan Spieth disqualified. Yeah, oh, disqualified. that's true. Because he signed the incorrect scorecard. Okay, so tomorrow's President's Day in America. So everybody is off of school. So a lot of my kids went skiing, which I wish I could have done. That would have been a lot of fun. Ooh, they went to, to ski skiing. where? California? Oh, or? fun place like Mammoth, Utah, Ooh. Uh, Colorado. Jeez, that's uh, far. Yeah, some in Idaho. They went all over. Look, if Whoa. they have a four-day weekend, these kids don't miss a vacation, especially since COVID. So it's good to be a kid in L.A., Oogie. <laughs> <laughs> which is, if you want to ski, I guess that's the time of the year which you want to do yeah, it because yeah. it's going to be March yeah. and April soon, and that that's not going to happen. Then you can't ski, right? Um, oh, we got to touch a little bit on, okay, the Kansas City parade. How disappointing was that? With the What's shooting and how sad is injured. that? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's Come on, just, America has had forty-nine shooting in forty-five days. At that point, there's there's shooting every day in America. So we need to get with it, guys. This was terrible. I, I wasn't too happy about that. 
And mm, terrible. I mean, you know why? I mean, is there like because there's too much they guns were going on? Well, oh. let's just yeah. I mean, there's gun rules. We could we could have a whole debate on it, Ugi. Yeah, yeah. And just people that are getting guns don't need guns, and the people that have guns that are like disciplined and safe with them, that's one thing. But the rules are just too easy. It's too easy to get a, get a gun in America. Yeah, that's and what it, I thought. It needs to change. And these people that were shooting were teenagers, and they exactly. were going after each other, and then they got a bunch of other innocent people that were just trying to celebrate the Kansas City Chiefs. That's so that terrible. was really sad. Like from a huge football day to that happening, that was upsetting. Mm-hmm. And then we've got next week to come, Ugi. It's getting closer and closer to Indian Wells. San Diego has a turn a women's tournament coming up. My friend Ryan Ooh. Redondo is the tournament director. So nice. that's exciting. That's gonna be in a next another week. So mm-hmm coming in not next week the next week will be san cool. diego are you so gonna be drop by are you gonna to drop in about. a little bit i don't know maybe it'd be fun to go down there yeah. maybe you never know it's not too far away all right cool. so i've got a fun quote in honor of the nba all-star game tonight which is mm-hmm. still on okay you ready yes and this actually can apply to everything because a famous coach said this and Mm. i'll give you a hint he's was from california area in la famous coach i know you'll get it okay we can have no progress without change whether it be basketball or anything else Hmm. okay nickname was the wizard of westwood oh i don't know that gives it away you don't know no john wooden the famous really? UCLA coach, the oh, greatest okay. NCAA basketball coach of all time. Now, I did kind of – it's tough because you didn't follow NCAA basketball as much as NBA. I was going to say I, I was I was searching in my head like NBA coaches, but then that's okay. Yeah, yeah that's NCAA okay. There. Hey, that's NCAA, cool. I snuck it in because we got March Madness coming up, Oogie. Oh, that's going to be great. Okay, so we got brackets, March Madness. The brackets. Yep, we got the brackets and we got March Madness for tennis. We got Indian Wells and Kivas Gain back to back. That's our match, March Madness mm. in the tennis world. So, what better to say we can have no progress without change, whether it be basketball or anything else? We were kind of just talking about that with golf and tennis. There needs to be change in golf and tennis, right, Ugi? Of course. And of course. like I said before, the WTA and the ATP should join together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you you suggested that like way, I mean, many months ago. And w- the first time you said that, I'm like, hmm, this is a really good idea. I didn't know why at the moment it was a good idea, but it is a good idea. Um, and then the more and more we, we talk about it and, and we see a couple of problems here and there on both sides. Yeah, they should definitely merge and it would be a bigger and stronger, you know, the federation and unit and the sport would benefit okay. from that, I think. You can be stronger together. So hopefully the people in charge will get that together. And that mm-hmm. would be nice to see maybe when we're like in our 60s, Oogie, the tours will be together. That's it. <laughs> you never know. Actually, you'll be in your 60s. I'll still be in my 50s. There we go. So, Thank you. So maybe <laughs> maybe that will happen. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. We had a lot of topics to talk about. Everybody listening, go work on your footwork, your split step, your turn, your three phases. Mm-hmm. And let us know how it's going. Instagram exactly. us if you'd like at Alexander Stevenson at Hugh Glavadier. 
And we will see you next time. This has been Serving Aces. Have a great rest of the week. Great week, guys.